Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Famous God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I continue to be Bill Swirla. Yeah, I know. There we are. I've heard that about can't, you. I can't change. I am what I am, okay? I am what I am. <laughs> what number show is this? <laughs> this is, is, that, is that Popeye or St. Paul that you're quoting? This is, <laughs> it's, this is episode 336. Can you believe it? Here, I thought we were up to like 375. No. Now we're back down to 336. That's because we went on hiatus. Yeah. See, I, hey, I noticed, by the way, that we have just cleared our 10th anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. That's did, right. Did you Pirate see Christian Radio PCR? Started. Yeah. Ah, uh, the heady days of PCR. You know, uh, Pirate Christian Radio was actually created... As a showcase for the God Whispers, yeah, that, and this uh, is, this those is issues, not... et cetera, guys just glommed on, <laughs> and uh, that Chris Roseboro, you know, they they just glommed on to this program. Well, you know, it, it, you were you were the program director of Pirate Christian Radio, right? This, this is, is true. This yes. is one of the things that propelled you into your now infamous career in Christian broadcasting. <sighs> I'm sorry, I didn't want to open that wound. Yeah, Did I open a there. wound? It's, I'm like that I'm bad just, kid that kicks. You I'm know, just you, bleeding out all over the room. Here. Uh, you know, you've, you've got like stitches, and and I just go and like like whack the stitches. It's, just to see. it's squirting now. Oh. It's, it's starting to. It's pulsating. It's oozing. It's oozing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to bring up anything bad, but but I do recall those days um, fondly. Yeah, you know, I mean, we went from tons of gear and really, really overcomplicating everything to pretty darn simple. We're streamlined. Uh, relatively yeah. speaking, we are really streamlined. Uh, but it's been 10 years. Uh, we, we are actually some of the pioneers of, of Lutheran podcasting. You know, it's true. There, there weren't too many around when when we started this. No, and nothing quite like this show. I, I've I've heard there's a there's a there are a few sort of knockoff ones now. You know, people trying to be funny, cutting up, being irreverent. But nobody, look, no nobody had a Reed Lessing. Often imitated, never duplicated. You know, nobody had homeschooler alert. We have we haven't had one in a long time. We may have to like create a reason for a homeschooler alert. Well, uh, let's do it. Attention. The following segment contains a home schooler alert. Attention. The following segment contains a home schooler alert. Attention. The following segment contains a home schooler alert. 
You no, know, I, I, I feel good about issuing that because we will be talking about Marilyn's butt. <laughs> That's true. So this is a blanket alert for the whole episode. I, I understand that kids really love the homeschooler alert. It, it, it tells them to pay attention. You know, it was, it was created to allow parents to get their homeschoolers out of the room. Yeah. But little did we know that it actually has a reverse uh, effect to the whole to the whole. Thing. It heightens awareness and interest, is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I knew a lady who put you know those deer whistles that are supposed to chase off the deer that, that you put on the front of your car, and when you drive, it blows a whistle. Uh huh. She put one on her car the very next week. She hit a deer, and I said, <laughs> "Well, I think you put it on backwards because it obviously called." She's the deer. got the deer attractant on right. there, so sure. you, you know you got to make sure that you put it on straight. But much like a reverse deer whistle. The homeschooler alert calls homeschoolers to the speaker. Probably now gather around children. Probably gather slathering around. the headlights with pheromones didn't help either. I'm just, I'm just thinking. <laughs> her husband did seem to have a nice large policy on her. So I don't... <laughs> At least it was a deer, not a moose. Yeah. Oh. Yes. I, I hear that when when Otto and moose meet, it's not, it's not a good scenario because the deer crumple the front of your car. But a right. moose goes through your windshield. Yeah, because they're tall enough. You know, I, I've got to talk a little bit about Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> Speaking in, of in, moose, okay, that's a beautiful segue into Cleveland. Tell us about what, well, what about it's, Cleveland? It's the deer here, actually. Oh, okay. In, in Missouri, you would have we we had deer in our neighborhood in Baldwin. You know, it's suburbia, but you've got deer all over the place, and and so every now and then you'd see a deer in the neighborhood, and and you'd pull up next to them real slowly in your car. And as soon as they see you, boom, they're out the door. I mean, they're just gone. But here, we have deer up the wazoo in our neighborhood. And they'll stand in the middle of the street, and you pull up your car to within five feet of them, and you sit there and stare at them, and they look at you. <laughs> and you beep your horn, and they slowly walk away. Yeah. They, they just, well, these are tough deer. They, these are, all right, these are urban deer. These deer are so stinking domesticated. Yeah. I, I can't believe we saw a beautiful white buck just one street over the other day. Gorgeous. And you can't, you can't, this being a city, you can't blow them away, right? Not legally, oh. no. But I hear crossbows are often <laughs> crossbow. deployed. In various yeah, that'll endear you to the neighbors all of a sudden. Zip. <laughs> yeah, hi. Got him. The streak of blood going to your garage door. Oh, but, man. <laughs> but uh, no, I can't believe the deer around here. They, they are. They just stare you in the eye like, what do you want? Oh, yeah. They, they know the local laws. Oh, Wild, yeah. Wildlife, no. They, they are much more aware than we give them credit for, but they know the local laws. And, and deer are, they are just about a domestic animal at this point. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then we drove by Steak and Shake the other day, and they're like. And they're well, in the drive through line, we, right? We went they're, to they're Steak just... and Shake, and they're like. I, there are deer all over the place, and all I can figure is they must have a P.O. box, and they got the coupons. Yeah, well, either that or there's you, you see a family of five in the drive-through line. <laughs> you know, just, and a, just and a jolly up. fat man in a red suit right behind him. <laughs> just, so, so I'm is this this is a story from last month. So, so I'm I'm up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, up up on the peninsula, where by the way, moose never came. So there's, yeah. there are moose up in northern Washington. There's moose all over Canada. Uh, in fact, I was up in Alberta, and some guy was, was, was at, a, at some kind of a church retreat was 
pushing a moose salami and some other moose meat, uh, moose jerky. And, and it turns out he'd blown this moose away on in, in the parking lot of his church. And I thought, man, you know, the animal comes for sanctuary to the house of the Lord and he gets blown away. He goes, oh, no, it's moose. You see, you see a moose, you shoot it, you know. So he did this with alacrity. He, he was proud of proud of the act, and but, but, but you know, like every good hunter, it's snout to tail utilization of the animal. He respects the flesh, and so he was uh, pawning off moose jerky and moose salami, which I have nice. to admit was quite good. Quite good. salami, jerky, or both? Both, both. Oh, so you you got some of some of each? Yeah. Yeah, nice. and no, it was it was quite good. But the the moose never have gone up the peninsula in the Olympic Peninsula. I'm told by a ranger from the the national park up there. But uh, apparently, they do have bear, they do have deer, elk, and stuff. So this leads up to my speeding story. Uh, we're we're just coming back from dinner, and I'd had a Manhattan and a couple of glasses of wine. So you know, I'm 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 not drunk, but I'm not not exact- a good time to be pulled over. I'm though. not exactly pullover material, you know. And and we're going just on Highway 101. We're going like five minutes. This is all we're doing. Going back to the Airbnb, and I hot chew it. So I've got the I've got my my heavy foot down on the floor, and boom! And he comes from the other side. Uh, he, he, you know, he's he's in the opposite direction, and all of a sudden his lights come on. I said, "Oh, he's going somewhere." And I go, "Whoa, wait a minute, he's turning around. Wait a minute, he's coming after me." So I think, "Oh crap, you know, this is it. I'm done for." And so he comes around the passenger side, greets me nicely, notes, uh, "I've got Oregon plates from a rental." So, and he says, and he prefaces the, "Get this now, get this. You, you're in Cleveland. I'm a Chicago kid. I live in L.A. This, I've just been pulled over for speeding. Okay." Walks up, the, walks up the passenger side, greets me politely and says, okay, so this is just a warning conversation. This, he starts out that way. He starts out with the science nice. and he relax. Okay, we've de-escalated here. And, 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 and he gives me this five-minute lecture about, you know, you're obviously from out of town. And, and he says, we've got, we got uh, black bears. We've got a lot of deer. We have elk. And he says, you hit one of those things. And he says, uh, you know, you're you're in a world of hurt and and we don't see anybody get hurt here. Plus, he says, there's just a lot of lot of, you know, in and out traffic. And he's just kind of giving me the safety lecture for the region uh, takes my license down because if you get warned again, then you get a ticket. So you get like a three day cooling off period. Um, wishes me a nice day, good evening, enjoy your stay here. And I thought, man, even the cops are chill up here. <laughs> you know, in California, I'd be face down in the gravel, breathalyzer, cuffed, stuffed. I wouldn't be driving for 10 years, and I'd be under the legal limit. But no, not up there. Well, he saw the California driver's license. Oh, yeah, he was, that, he was totally you know, cool. People from California totally don't cool. drive without a gun. To shoot at people. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. You know, he, he wanted to de-escalate it really quickly. So well, you know, it's kind of funny. have a shooting incident. There. That area up there is in the peninsula. It's kind of a confluence of loggers and millers, uh, hippies, environmentalists, people who've, like, run away from other places, you know. Sasquatch people in uh, witness protection programs. People in the like witness that. protection program, yeah. but you know you gotta love a, you gotta love an area that's like protecting the spotted owl and and 
has a guns and ammo store virtually on every street corner. So I said, you know, what can go wrong up here? <laughs> it's it's really a weird, it's a, just a weird mix of humanity. And, and they're just all kind of in there. And, you know, it's it's really, I think it's your libertarian ideal. You know, you stay out of my way, I stay out of yours. We're all cool. <laughs> it's all happening could here. Be, could be a good, good place to live. So, yeah. So, that's, so that's, you're saying people wouldn't oppress my tiki lifestyle there. They Not at all. Just kind in, of say, not at all. Out, dude. In fact, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, they may be, they may be there. This may be a tiki drought. This Is may be a, a tiki desert. I'm, well, maybe it's a place where I need to go and establish my retirement bar. That's speaking open of when I desire. Speaking of, I, I I take note that your your basement tiki lounge is uh, shaping up beautifully. Yes, we are now open for business. I oh. got my refrigerator down there. Congratulations. $150 refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and by the way, thanks to Kurt Bumcrot, who uh, sent me uh, Martin Denny and Alfred Apaka vinyl. Oh. So that I might proudly display those in the Sweet. So Royal you, Ohana Room. Yeah, yeah, the Royal Ohana Room. So you have a lot of, that oozes with authenticity, if I may use that word, with a tiki bar. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. So, so well, congratulations. I, I saw a lot of nice workmanship. You really did a nice job in that basement. Well, that, thanks. That's, that's, I, uh, that's very impressive. Paula has been continually impressed with, uh, for a guy who says that he can't do uh, any handiwork, I've seemed to have done a lot of handiwork. It's all in the motivation. It really is. It, where there's a will, there's a way. And when, when you, you are willing a tiki bar in your basement, there's going to be a way. Well, and I'm a pretty igneous guy, so I figure things out. <laughs> igneous. <laughs> hey, let's get to the show. Uh, that'd be a good idea. Uh, I'm suggesting the mailbag. Oh! The God Whispers mailbag, brought to you by the Royal Ohana Room. Royal Ohana Aloha. Dear GW, I take note. The nine states and the District of Columbia now have fully legalized marijuana. What is the GW position on marijuana use? Uh, <laughs> I think we've covered this topic before. But, I, I think we have actually. But you um, know, I don't. I don't mind revisiting it. Uh, what What do you think, uh, Craig? I mean, you, hey, you want me to go first? Cleveland. You're in Cleveland, Ohio. Is is what's Ohio? Where does Ohio stand on? Marijuana. I really don't. Cannabis. I think, they, I think they have medical, but I'm not positive. Medical, but not recreational. Well, where there's one, there's usually the other. By the way, Olympic Peninsula is both, man. You just kind of drive by and it's just, it, they used to have to, I think they still do. Just you have to specify. As you drive through. <laughs> no tiki bar, but recreational or medical. But you can't be both. You have to be one or the other. You can't just be a generic dispensary. You have to specify. Are you recreational? Oh. Are you medicinal? Well, so, by the way, maybe if I if I come and set up my tiki bar up there, then uh, we could develop like a pineapple flavored marijuana, <laughs> pina colada. <laughs> well, let's a, let's a get a pina wana. Let's get a couple of word. things uh, off. Of, first of all, marijuana uh, was intentionally it, the, the tag was intentionally Mexicanized. 
uh, to give it kind of like an, an evil, illicit sound. Cannabis is the proper term for it. And that's, that's the term that most people are using in the legal states is cannabis, not marijuana. But I think people thought that if you made it sound like Mexican, it was like bad. And, and you know, in, in these days of immigrant issues, it, sounds, it still sounds bad. Uh, so it's, got a, it's, it's always had a bad rap. You know, popularized by Cheech and Chong, great, <laughs> great stoner comedy from the 1970s. Yeah, um, uh, showing your age. The other thing is that it, it's it's actually listed in federal law still today as a Schedule One narcotic. It's right up there with opium and, uh, the, yeah, and heroin. And if if I'm not mistaken, unless the federal government has recently changed this. It was classified as a as a drug for which there is no medical use, right? And, by the federal government, and, and but and it's put in that 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 very narrow classification of highly highly regulated in terms of you can't get your hands on it without filling out oodles of forms and having right. investigations and blah blah blah. The reason for that, according to John Ehrlichman, was that Nixon wanted to be able to arrest black people. Because he was, remember the Black Panthers? It was one of those subversive organizations back in the paranoid seventies. Where, where who, who who said this? Nixon, John Ehrlichman, no. one of his one of his his henchmen. Really? Yeah, and and basically it was this. Now this, okay, this is in your wheelhouse. Okay, you you know the answer to this. Even I, I'm confident. So your kinsmen, you know the mafia, the Sicilians, and no and, such thing. That's yeah, just right. It's propaganda. a rumor. But but when you wanted to arrest a mobster, what what they charge him on? Uh, Capone went down for taxi. Right. Yeah, always. Usually it's the financial end. Exactly. It's always tax evasion. It's never guns, numbers, prostitution, the stuff they were really doing, murder, you know. Well, <laughs> they, they were if, so good if, at burying the body, you couldn't catch them, yeah, right? If there were such a, uh organization as something like La Cosa Nostra or... Not saying like there was it. or is. If, if there were such a thing. Right. Uh, they seem to be pretty... pretty worldly and yeah, wise exactly. and, and abilities they, to cover up things. Now, it, genetically... Good neighbors, quiet, When I think of killing themselves. an ex-employer or anything like that, I, I my first instinct is go dig a hole in the desert first <laughs> and then contemplate it some more because if you have a good hole in the desert, half your work's done and, and really it makes things go a lot faster. Oh, don't even... That's crude. That's breaking bad. That, that, that's just not that you, what you need is you need a contractor who's building a bridge. There's that. Yes. You uh, know. Under 15 feet of concrete is a very good place. Also. Yeah. Never, never, never coming to the surface. Never no. seen the light of day. Not in your life. But they anyway. got him on tax evasion. And so so Nixon uh, had because and and all these guys were in possession of marijuana. See, so so by scheduling it as a schedule one narcotic. And amping up the charges on it, they could they could nail them for possession because they couldn't nail them for anything else. See, and so we live with that legacy today, and it really doesn't belong on the Schedule One narcotics thing. But that is the law of the land, at least the federal law. So you got these these things going on. Um, the other the other factoid that's worth thinking about is the reason the pharmaceutical industry is not interested is you can't patent natural products. Yeah. Um, so you can't make big bucks off of natural products. It would be pretty hard to patent something that anyone can grow in their backyard. Well, you can. a lot of medicinals, a lot of prescription drugs have in their, their 
research past. They have oh, yeah. natural products in mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, well, you, it's you you worked in uh, pharma. You know, my my brother uh, Vince, uh, when he worked for Sandoz and Amgen. They they had a, a huge team of botanists that traveled all over the world. Oh yeah, to find they go to the rainforest. Things that they could, you know, this is a, a good good number of your drugs are synthesized from various plants. Yeah, I had a friend, uh, one of my best friends in in college. Uh, we were both in chemistry, but he was in natural product synthesis. So what they would do is they would isolate what appeared to be an interesting compound that occurs in nature, and then figure out how to make it in bigger quantities because typically you were just had a you just had a tiny amount you couldn't do any real testing with it so mm. step 1 was figure out how to make it in in big quantities so you can actually do some uh control tests and then you have it in pure form too you don't just have it in some kind of extract but that's why you don't see pharmaceutical companies interested in anything natural because there's no, you can't patent it. There's no money to be made in that. So that's why you have this parallel that, also, industry. It, as as marijuana growers have gotten more and more sophisticated, the levels of the THC has gone way up, and there's there's no regulation to it. <laughs> We're not there's, talking ditch weed anymore, my friends. <laughs> no, uh, you know it's not it's not just the giggle weed that you had when you're back in 1978. You know this is so. Anyway, um, you know, so there, there's no there's no dosage that you can really. It, it would be very hard to figure what a, a dosage would be for a medication. Well, and it's very it's subjective too. People have different levels of tolerance, and and well, then same with many drugs, though. That's so that's so you know we're the we're we're supposed to be talking theologically here. Oh, and, theologically. And, oh, I have to tell you, I've got to tell you a weed story first. So so in our district convention. Uh, some somebody actually wrote an overture that never made it to the floor that was seeking um, to memorialize the synod, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, to study the legalization of marijuana and the ethical, moral, and theological implications of it to form guidelines so that our churches could better discipline their members. That was That was the gist of this resolution. Now, as all things like this, it just it made it to the floor committee, and then it never emerged. The floor committee is like a black hole of ah. overtures, and the the floor committee concluded this was way beyond the pay grade of a district convention to sort out. <laughs> I thought it would have been kind of interesting. I was kind of hoping it would come to the floor because it would have made for some good microphone well, humor. Let, let me ask this: Did anyone bring brownies to the floor committee meeting? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got some edibles, man. So, so I'm in the I'm in the hallway talking to some people afterward, and some lady comes up to me, and she was just telling me, you know, how horrible this marijuana is, and this is just terrible. Everything that's happening in society with with legalized marijuana, and the church really needs to take a tough stand on this, and we need to, you know, this is another social issue where we need to take a really tough stand. And I'm listening to her, and I look at her, and with. You know, with that little gleam in my eye, I go, so you're telling me that if somebody's like in a lot of pain or something, that um, you'd prefer that they gulp opioids that were prescription rather than spark a dube. And I use that term spark a dube. (laughs) And she gives me this kind of look and I just kind of smile. And I've never (laughs) seen anybody walk away from a conversation so fast in my (laughs) life. 
a hippie. And I'm in clericals, no less. Yeah. When was the last time you, you saw a guy in clericals use the term spark a doob? Um, probably last time I was with you. Love probably those baby boomers. <laughs> so what are, the, what are the issues as you see it, Craig? Is, uh, you're, you're a pastor. I'm a what pastor. I, Parse the issue for okay, me. Okay, so there, there's ethical and theological in, the, in this for me. The, the ethical thing is it's, it's bull that this is not used for medication properly. Uh, you know, my father was dying of cancer, and he had been losing his appetite. And we, we, you know, the boys got together, and we started talking pretty serious about getting Dad some pot. Because why? It we know for a fact that it restores a hunger to those who have lost their appetite. Uh, we also know that it calms people down. We we know that it can be used for many medicinal value things that uh, it, it is proven to work. You know, there is a reason that the Girl Scouts set up Girl Scout cookie table outside the dispensary. Oh, that's a genius. <laughs> that's Enterprising just, girls. <laughs> I've actually thought about if I were to stay in California, I, I actually thought about opening a pizza hut next to every dispensary. Oh, yeah. I could oh, yeah. Find. Taco Bell. You name it. White Castles, man. You could just uh, so it, it wouldn't be condoning. <laughs> The, the the pot, but it would be condoning gluttony with the pot. <laughs> I remember one time I, 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 I actually brought I brought some. Now this was before it was legal, but I, I brought some to a, on, a, on a, a, a sick call, a shut-in call. Pizza Hut? No. <laughs> no, medical marijuana. Don't ask me how I got it. Don't ask me anything. I don't, I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm just mentioning that. Uh, but... So, so you, you, but you do have you do have this thing. It, it, if it's part of the created order, it is good by biblical definition. Because right. if God made it as good, now it may not be good for you. Uh, it may not do good things. You know, ricin is a natural product too, and I don't recommend taking that. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, but it is good as that is it is part of God's good creation, His good ordering of things. Uh, well, and I think we fall into the pit of just because people misuse a substance uh, substance doesn't mean that there's not a right use for it. Right. That's that's a, an error that we seem to like to recreate over and over again. Now I did uh, I did find there the, had this resolution come to the floor. Yeah. It would have been an interesting little bit of irony for all these people to be debating the propriety of of medicinal and recreational marijuana. Uh, when in the evening they all retreated to the hospitality suite on the fourth floor and got fully loaded on free booze. Okay, there's there's my <laughs> other argument here is now, that's Honest, two wrongs don't make a right, but that is well, kind of deliciously interesting. Okay, I'm not a scientist, nor do I play one on TV, but from what I understand, you, you're very hard-pressed to overdose on marijuana. <laughs> you, you will get stupid and giggly and probably fall asleep. And, and, and the only thing will be you'll be playing Bob Marley albums really loud. Right. The other problem is if you grab a quart of vodka and chug that thing, you're dead. There's a good chance you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Very good chance that you're going to die. Now you know. So in in all reality, physically, uh, in the short run, it's easier to OD on alcohol than marijuana, and it's easier to kill yourself with alcohol than marijuana. Of course, you know. Then you talk about your lungs and marijuana and all that, and I don't know much about that, but. Um, I, I have heard some very compelling arguments that, look, if alcohol is legal, 
why is marijuana illegal when alcohol is actually more harmful to your brain and can kill you properly? You, you know, I was listening to a talk by a guy last week. I was at a thing called the Crosswise Institute at uh, Concordia. I was, I was kind of the, the morning chaplain for the thing. But I heard a guy, uh, his name is William Struthers, um, and he does— Is he, he one does, of the Struthers brothers? <laughs> no, he's not. A oh, uh, different guy. But he does, uh, he does research in neurobiochemistry. Okay. And, and he basically, like, asks this big question, what do things do to your brain? Like, he's studying the effect of pornography on the brain. Oh, and uh, and he was studying, um, the, or he had some stuff on the effect of drugs on the brain, and uh, and not just not just marijuana, but he's looking at the whole host of of drugs that uh, uh, people take for religious purposes. I mean, there are religions built around hallucinogenic substances and oh, yeah. uh, creating religious experiences uh, via pharmaceuticals. And, and it, was, it was fascinating because he came to, he was in kind of a morally neutral position to say, you know, this is, this is kind of the complexity of our brain. I'm not recommending you do this, but, uh, you know, this, this is just kind of the, the great complexity of neurobiochemistry and these, these compounds that exist in, in nature. They're, they're found uh, in the natural world, and people have known about them for thousands of years. So, uh, you know, all of this is to say we don't necessarily know the good or the potential harm of any of these things. Right. And, and so, you know, if you value your mind, your brain, your health, uh, these are gifts from God. You don't, you don't willingly jeopardize those things. I think where I come down with this pastorally is that there's kind of two issues that, that probably need to be talked about. One, a fourth commandment, even if it's legal in the nine states in Washington, well, D.C. Well, and that's where I was going to go theologically with this. It is a federal—it's against yeah. federal law. Right. Uh, you know, and whether I don't care what side of the Civil War you were on, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm kind of a big states' rights sort of person, but um, law is law, and law of the land's law of the land. Federal law is federal law. And just because you're in a marijuana legal state doesn't necessarily make it right under the fourth commandment, you know? So there's that. Right. So there, there's the theological end of it is uh, that Romans 13 thing, be subject to the government. But um, by the same token, when the government hinders someone from getting medical treatment that might uh either ease their pain or even uh, help save their lives. And I don't know if marijuana will help save your life except to help you eat and get more nutritional value out of life and maybe extend That could life make life a lot more tolerable. Yeah. I mean, there, there, are, it, there are other things. Uh, many moons ago, I had a parishioner who got glaucoma, and yep. uh, he was a hippie in the Haight-Ashbury days up in San Francisco. And uh, he came in, and he was just excited. And I said, well, what's up, man? He said, I have glaucoma. And I said, look, I've had all these eye problems. That's not good. He's like, I get to smoke pot. <laughs> he was just so excited. <laughs> and so I saw him a, a few weeks later, and I said, hey, how's, how's the glaucoma coming along? He goes, stupid drops work too well. So he's, he was upset. He was he, bummed. The eye drops work too well, <sighs> so he couldn't smoke pot. I hate, I hate but, when that happens. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there, there is a matter of, eh, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a dubious morality sometimes when 
the government just declares there is no medicinal value to something, and we know that there is. Yeah, and, there's no way it can know that. To, to say there's no medicinal value, nobody's even looked. Right. So I, I really have a problem with that. Now, there are other medications that will help you with nausea, you say, and, and yes, that's true. Sometimes they're in pill form and you can't hold down the pill. That's supposed to help you hold down the pill. And, and you know, there are all sorts of issues involved there also. Well, there's, a, there's a, a kind of a strange morality, too, that says that the synthesized chemical laboratory product, that's morally better than the natural product. Right. So, you know, the, the weed I grow in my garden, and I, uh, I do not grow weed. My, I have an herb garden. There's no weed in my garden. Like I'm just, there, there are weeds, but I don't have no weed. Okay. Um, in, in, in fact, I mean, just personal, personal testimonial, I'm not interested. I uh, have somebody sneak in your backyard and plant some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm personally not interested. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt, uh, you know. Look, I'm fat enough. I don't need to get munchies. And, yeah, you don't and need the munchies. too large uh, and I just, Hawaiian pizzas, which I know is going to really You know, I'm an, I'm an introvert, and when I'm around strangers, I'm, I'm quiet. I don't really like to talk, and, and this makes it worse. I get, like, paranoid introvert. And, and, you know, I just kind of, I just, just, I just sit there and, I, you know, I don't engage and I don't like it. I, 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 I really never did. So that, to me, I don't have a personal, there's not a dog in the hunt. However, right. however, um, you know, I'm not suffering from chronic pain yet. I may one day, I don't know. And options yeah. are nice to have both synthetic and natural. So I think well, the the other all issue. Honesty, I'd like to lose my appetite for a month or two. Yeah, that's well, you're the yeah. opposite. It's like, can, can we shut the appetite <laughs> off? And uh, um, you know, by the way, uh, you know, eating and drinking and drugs, they all push on the same pleasure center. Yes, they do. I was yeah. listening to some guy who's got so does a, gambling for a lot. Yes, of people. and pornography yeah. and sex yeah. and the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I was I was listening to some guy who's got addiction issues, serious addiction issues, lifelong addiction issues, and and he's on a new medication now, which basically, the way he describes it, just kind of creates a kind of a low-level buzz all the time. But what it does is it shuts down the dopamine or whichever, I think it's the dopamine receptor, the pleasure center of your brain. It shuts it down by kind of just supplying it with enough of a trickle that says, okay, here, I'm I'm just going to keep you happy, okay? But what he found is that he'd he'd drive by like an In-N-Out burger and whereas normally be, oh, I got to have one of those things. Um, not so much. No, he's driving by. He goes. He, he started. Oh, in and out. Nah, not hungry. Man, and, I and, need to get some of that for my in and out craving. And, and it, he, well, he found it was have. like this: every everything, every craving, everything that was pleasurable. It was like he'd think about it, entertain the thought for a second. And say, nah, not interested. Wow. And that's what's what. This but, drug? but that's what the drug does: is it it blocks that pleasure center, so you're not pushing the happy place all the time. Now and, there, there's uh, the now, great courses. Hmm. Um, sorry, I cut you off there. You know, but, the, the question is yeah. whether you want to live like that or not. The, and this is all, all drugs like this are a help and assist a crutch, but they're not well, necessarily like a solution. Try it for 50 or 60 pounds and then see how things exactly. Um, the, the, um, I, I am a huge audiobook guy. I listen to probably three, four audiobooks a month. I, I'm crazy. Um, and I get on Audible this daily offer for uh you know cheap books and they actually had a, a great courses uh offer for three bucks 
and it's called the addictive brain, and oh. it's about it's about the uh, the brain chemistry and and neurology behind addiction. I'm I'm about I don't know maybe an hour into it, but it's fascinating right now. It's just really neat. But, I do uh, think that there. I recommend that. I think there are people who are probably born predisposed to addiction. Yes, I do too. And uh, I do think that perhaps uh, with the abuse of drugs or other things, one can kind of rewire your head to to basically create that same situation. Um, and, and I think when somebody is dealing with that, it's a far more complicated issue than if you just can kind of take it or leave it. It doesn't matter. You know, you maybe you, you hit the tiki lounge a little too hard one one night and then you wake up the next day and say, I ain't doing that again. And, <laughs> and you know, you just that's it. You're done with that. It's, it's right. not like and a lot depends on how your your brain, your pleasure centers, your receptors are wired. And if we're coming beginning to sort of understand that. See, it's not to say that marijuana couldn't be a serious gateway drug to a world of hurt and a lot of problems for some people. But, you know, for that matter, a gin and tonic could be uh, the same thing for that person. And cigarettes. Or cigarettes and or porn or whatever, whatever uh, avenue they go down. And so the addiction thing is going to be a very personal uh, matter. The, the other theological issue that I see is is just one of drunkenness, just the generic category, yeah, yeah. that inebriation, loss of reason, facilities, etc. I don't care how you got there, is sinful. There's, you know, this is part of the, this is lumped in the works of the flesh, the old Adam, the stuff we're supposed to avoid. And so, you know, I don't think we can sit around and just kind of say, oh, yeah, hey, get high, it's all okay. It's not all okay. And uh, that's not that's not the point. I think when you do that, you leave yourself very vulnerable too to um, just bad ideas and spiritual forces and darkness and everything else that that God gave you reason to uh, help defend yourself against. Now, I believe it was John Calvin who said that you weren't really drunk if you didn't throw up. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. In all seriousness, <laughs> only a Calvinist would think like this. <laughs> but. You know, I, defining drunkenness, and this is one of the things. You can have a cocktail, you can have a beer, and you don't really feel affected by it. You you can't really smoke pot or inject heroin and not feel the effect. No, you're or, and you're or going just just feel a little. Uh, I feel a little loosened up. You know, maybe after a, a stiff drink, you feel kind of. A little loose, yeah. You know, and that that raises an interesting sort of Robert Capon kind of point. He he says that the drunkard uh, drinks that glass of wine for what it can do, but not for what it is. See, and and to me, this is a subtle but important point. I don't know if people are sitting around saying, man, that, that is just delicious weed. You know, it, and I have to admit, some of the bud they're growing is really beautiful to look at. It's it's quite quite amazing. <laughs> but you know, I, but I've heard people talk, and and honestly, I'm speaking out of ignorance here. But I've heard people talk, and they're like, "Ooh, this one tastes like grape," and this one, you know, maybe does taste like pineapple or whatever, right. You know, and and but I'm having a hard time buying that. But but even if that's the case, that's not the primary thing. It's it's primarily not a food related experience. Right. So if if I'm enjoying a nice bottle of wine and I, in my enthusiasm, put away a glass or two too many and and you know shouldn't be behind the wheel or or just basically are not I'm not my usual articulate self. I wasn't setting out to go down that road. 
I was just kind of enjoying the thing for what it is a little right. a little too much. But if you if you take that same bottle of wine and say I'm I'm having a really bad day and I'm just going to get hammered, it's really misusing the gift. The gift the gift right. is supposed to gladden your heart, not not escape a really bad day. You know, and that, the, so there's it's tough. There's no. I, I think that lady in the hallway just wanted a very clean black and white answer to a very gray area kind of question. I, I think part of the other problem with this is that because the government has put this in this category, that really there's not a whole lot of experimentation that's going on with it that could be. Um, I heard something on NPR the other day about um, this kid with seizures and their parents moved to a state where pot was legal so they could get pot for their, like, nine-year-old who had these terrible seizures. And the pot supposedly greatly diminished it. Now, that's anecdotal evidence. But why not have studies, actual medical studies, double-blind studies done on this? Well, and, and, and uh, marijuana, you know, cannabis probably, is, is a complex of things. Some, some of the things are psychoactive. Right. You know, THC and, and, and some of the things do have a psychoactive effect. Some of the things don't. And some of these components by themselves may actually be the thing. It may not actually be the stuff that gives you a buzz. It may be something else because in a natural product, you have a whole host of chemicals and you have to kind of isolate and identify. But that takes research. Sure. So I think we beat that pony. Well, I, th- I think we have. It's illegal, and and we're not supposed to get drunk. So yeah, I think you, you pretty much have the answer. And just because just because it's legal doesn't make it right. And you know, you and I, we we tend not to look to the government to like enforce every moral rule there yeah. is. It's just not good. And I'm. I've always been in favor of decriminalization. I'm not so sure about legalization or even more commercialization. I I think when the state is celebrating this as a big windfall for taxes, uh, this is like seven spirits worse than the first. (laughs) Because all you're going to do is draw on big tobacco, big alcohol, big government. This is not, you know, it, it goes back to that notorious alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, you know. It's like toy, Toys R Us. Things. It's like Toys R Us <laughs> for boys right there. Where, where I live now on the eastern side of the country, it's, it's the opiates that are the serious problem. Oh, gosh, here. yeah. So, so much more than anything else. And that started, a lot of that started legally. That started with prescription yes. opioids for pain relief and, and doctors people. doling this out like candy. Yeah, so many people who have had back surgery or any kind of surgery or whatever, they get on it, they stay on it for too long. The doctors don't get them off in, in a due period of time. And they, I think the doctors are really clamping down on this, which is good. But, you know, you've got to get people off of it before they can get addicted. Because once they get addicted and then you say, well, no more scripts for you, you have an addict on your hand. And coming off of a lot of certain drugs, you know, alcohol is one of them. If you just if you're addicted and you just cut it out, you you suffer serious medical side effects from this. You can even die with certain things. Alcohol's, like I said, one of the worst. Yeah, now if I'm, you're a hardcore alcoholic and you just stop drinking one day, 
you know, you, you get the DTs, and and there's some serious, serious stuff going on there. There's there's two components to addiction. There there's psychological addiction that is you you need it to you know order your life, uh, but there's also physical, medical, biochemical addiction that is right. your your body has become accustomed to this and needs it. And from what I understand, uh, these prescription opioids are almost almost instantly physically addictive. Whether you have an addictive personality or not is irrelevant. Um, and part of it is they, they are not, they don't live up to their potential. The holy grail was 12 hours of pain relief because that meant somebody could get a full night's sleep and not have well, to get up in pain. Morphine. Well, these are, they're all the same. They're all, they're all the same derivative chemical. Right. Uh, but, uh, but the whole idea behind OxyContin and all these things was 12-hour pain relief. That's the holy grail. Well, they fell short. It's not. And and the problem is you start you start feeling the pain that you're trying to avoid, and so you take another one earlier than you should. And yeah. and apparently it does not take long before you are physically addictive, whether you are whether you have an addictive personality or dependency. That that's a secondary issue entirely. But uh, you know, I'm at the point. I I'll take the aspirin. I'm I'm not going anywhere near those things. Yeah, I'm an ibuprofen guy myself. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fine. I don't, I used to joke about the what would the dentist always give you the um, Vicodin, Vicodin, Vicodin. Vicodin. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, I was like, keep the extra prescription on in case you need it. No, I mean that's good. I don't even I don't even fill the prescription anymore. I take a couple <laughs> of Advil, I'm done. That's it. That's good. See, with all the eye surgeries that I've had and everything else, I've used Vicodin. It knocks a little bit off. I I don't know. Maybe I just have a high tolerance. But it knocks a little bit of the pain off, but it really doesn't do that much for me. And um, I've even tried doubling it, and it still didn't do much for me. And I had no euphoria. I don't know what people get out of it. But oh, uh, I had some weird. I I I, I had a weird root, dreams. Man, I had a weird I had a dreams. oh I had a root canal that really required some some <laughs> heavy some heavy artillery, and I I I took I took a full strength Vicodin. And that was crazy making. I, I I woke up from that nightmare and I said, uh, we're going back we're going back to the Tylenol." <laughs> said, no, <laughs> but I I never experienced any of the you know oh I feel all mellow and cool or none of that. No, no. But yeah, weird dreams. I never had nightmares. We've talked about this before on the show, but I never had nightmares. But one that stands out in particular was a dream, and I was on the Vicodin. A dream where I was in a school bus with a bunch of clowns, and we were going fishing. Oh, clowns. Okay. But, but I, yeah. I don't have the clown phobia that a lot of people no, have. No, you don't but, have to. There's something, like, wrong. Clowns are... <laughs> but, so uh, I'm going fishing with a bunch of clowns in a school bus, and I woke up. I was like, well, that was different. You know, it's just that's, that's not normal, but uh. whatever. All hey, right, uh, well, we've done it. Hey, a little you, wacky religion. We got about fifteen minutes. Uh, right. We can go wacky religion or the science desk. Where do you want to go? Well, let's do a quick ra- wacky religion and see if we can get to the science desk. Mm, I think I think it'll just be wacky religion. But here we go. This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God. Never gets old. Nor receiveth correction. God's elect know the time when judgment day is coming. But the unbelievers, 
They don't know the time. Oh, they don't know the day. Never, ever gets <laughs> old. That's just beautiful. So, Dateline Cypress. Cypress. Oh, Cypress. Headline. A lot of sheep on Cypress. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Where the men are men and the sheep are scared. Yeah. Priest punches groom's brother <laughs> during wedding ceremony. Oh, do tell. Come on, tell me you haven't been there. <laughs> I've, tell I've, me you haven't been there. Bill. I've thought about it. Okay. <laughs> I've come close. Reports on Sunday. Wait, what was the date on this? This is, uh, I think, about a week old. Uh, <laughs> Breaking anyway, news. Uh, reports on Sunday said that uh, said the relatives of a couple who tied the knot in Sada and Paphos on Saturday would be lodging a complaint with the Paphos bishopric. I can't even talk all of a sudden. After the officiating priest allegedly punched the groom's brother in the face during the wedding ceremony. Awesome. And this was, so this wasn't the reception. This was the actual ceremony. during the ceremony. It wasn't Paphos where uh, John Mark kind of flaked out. I mean, bad things happen on that island. I'm just saying. That that island, that... That island is not uh, okay. So th- this is mild compared to what goes on in that island. Yeah, according to the two articles uh, from this uh, Pol- Politis uh, newspaper, Politis sounds like, like an inflammation of the polyp. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a, b- a bipple on your scepter there, Bill. You have that <laughs> yeah, out. right. Yeah, dude, uh, have a doctor cor- look at that. <laughs> according I got a case to, of politis. <laughs> according to the two articles during the part of the ceremony, one of the best men was pushed in a friendly way by the groom's brother wait, during wait, wait. the Stop. Isaiah dance. Pushed in a friendly way. Okay. Yeah. A friend, you know, but when, nudge. when you're on Cyprus, that could mean any number of things. Well, I'm going to assume that they had imbibed in a little ouzo before the service. This is what happened happens in cultures where men dance <laughs> now th- the isaiah also, dance i have no idea what that's about y- you need to google that one and watch it on uh on um, uh youtube because are, are only men involved it's interesting no it, it, the the wedding party uh goes in circles around the church and then i think it's the best man is walking behind them holding like fake halos one in each hand right. uh, over the bride and the groom. And there's, anyway. It's uh, the dance of Isaiah. It apparently. Not Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit Pistons. This is a sacred dance. And uh, I'm sure that they did it at the wedding feast of Cana. It and could. It could. Isaiah. I've got it. Well, we yeah. circled the table three times. Okay. Isaiah was a messianic prophet. Yeah, but this guy's revealed him that a virgin would conceive and bring forth the son, and that son. Uh, but these guys are conventionally dressed in tuxedos and uh, and um, bridesmaids' dresses. Yeah. This this clearly isn't on the island of Cyprus. Oh. Uh, Let's get back to the punching priest. So what happens here? So. So the they they are supposed to circle the altar three times doing this Isaiah dance. Yeah. And one of the best men was pushed in a friendly way. The report said that the priest became frustrated and enraged. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a bad that's a bad combination because those guys have really long beards. 
<laughs> put down the prayer book uh-huh. or his prayer book and hit the brother in the face drawing blood. Oh, so that... this was not a little slap. This wasn't a <laughs> I mean, this is a you son of a and he let him have Those it. Orthodox take no prisoners though. I mean, there's the Orthodox priesthood is not a nice bunch of guys. I'm just you saying. Do, you do not screw around no, with the liturgy. No. No, this is part of the liturgy, including you, pushing in a friendly way. That's right. Okay, so then then it, it looks like it escalated. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. The, he became frustrated, hit the brother in the face, drawing blood. Drawing blood. The father of the groom there. then went for the priest, oh, but yeah. was restrained. Man, this is like a, a good sitcom right here. <laughs> Though the wedding almost tell almost me, tell came me there to was a halt. Tell me there was an Uzo involved somewhere. <laughs> Opa! When everyone calmed down, however, the ceremony was completed, but the priest allegedly disappeared immediately afterwards. You son of a... And the relatives of the newlyweds were angry over what had happened and intended to lodge a complaint, the report said. Mm. So I, w- I wonder uh, if he got paid for this. <laughs> the district president was called. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what happens. Yeah, the, the bishop, I'm sure, got a... Got a Nasty. So you know, you know what you know what draws my eye the most on this is is the sentence that says that um, when everybody everyone calmed down, the ceremony was completed. Right. You know, you got to hand it to them. You've just had a priest punch out a guy in the wedding party. The father makes a move for the priest, father of the groom. You know, I got to love these cultures where the mother of the bride doesn't run the thing. It's father of the groom. Okay, it's, it's interesting. There, yeah, there's going to be like weapons, and yeah, you know, there'll be bloodshed basically. But but he goes for the priest, and it almost grinds to a halt, but not quite. <laughs> it <laughs> the, really is a lovely church. What you you actually see the church? Well, at the top of the article, there's a, a, a external. Uh, oh, it, it is lovely. And, and the the bride and the groom they have a very <laughs> blank look on their yeah, face. No, their faces are blanked out. Oh, that's why. That's, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Cyprus, what Cyprus. a great place! We should vacation there sometime. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, does this happen at every wedding, or does this just happen, you know? Uh, oh, this is interesting. Uh, in in the comments, one guy says, "As a member of a Greek Orthodox church, I believe that the priest action is unacceptable, but understandable." Yeah, there you go. It's, it's like you know, he shouldn't he shouldn't have done that, but I kind of see why he did. <laughs> I wish we had that kind of latitude. We're in the wrong. We're in the wrong religion, Craig. You know. I oh mean, gosh, I, you... I learned this a long time ago. I should have been Eastern Orthodox. I discovered this when a couple came to my church from an Eastern Orthodox <laughs> church and said, "How much do you charge to do a baptism?" Oh, and I said, "Charge? Whoa. I don't. I, what do you mean charge? <laughs> yeah. Well, we went to the Russian Orthodox Church and they wanted eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, wrong religion. Right. And there. then I realized I'm in the wrong church. Yeah. So on a related note, I, I, I'm picking up something from the Religion News Service dated July 6th, so that's very close, um, uh, an opinion piece, why Americans have long been fascinated by gunfighting preachers. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, not so much gunfighting, I think, as gunslinging. Yes, pistol-packing pastors. Pistol-packing. Do, do, you, do you pack heat in, in the pulpit? I will neither confirm nor deny oh. that. Uh, no, I don't have a concealed carry permit. I, I've heard Ohio. rumor. Yet. How easy is that to get out in, out in Cleveland, Ohio? 
I have to go through like a eight hour uh, uh, NRA course and get thumbprinted FBI. It's not like the check. People's Republic of California. I take. Oh it. no no no! There it's it's. <laughs> Forget it. No, in unless fact, you're in Kern County. If you if you live in Kern County, I hear the sheriff out there issues pretty. Kern pretty County regularly. is that's that's uh yeah. But Kern, that's that's the Texas of California. <laughs> <laughs> we used to we used to borrow a summer home from members, and we got to Kernville. And Kern County is wild west. That's yeah. that's it's old it's old gold country out there, and it is wild west at its oh, yeah. finest. It's every man for himself out there. No, in the state of California, just simply applying for a concealed carry permit will probably land you in jail. So well, uh, it gets you on a on a watch list. You'll never be able to. Yeah, travel no, that's again. right. That's right. You can't fly anymore. So yeah, this is kind of piggybacking on that that incident in Oakville, Washington, where where a gun. Oh, yeah. A gun-toting pastor gunned down a guy who was attempting to carjack uh, cars from a Walmart parking lot. Now, how far is that to, from where you were? I have there? no idea. I have no okay. idea where. Yeah, it, that's a little. It sounds a little wild for the peninsula. I, I think this was on the probably other, more of eastern. Washington. I don't know where Oakville is, but but yeah, he apparently had just uh, gotten a. A concealed permit or a carry permit or something, but um, and and I think was completely justified in doing so. The 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 guy apparently had stolen a car, been involved in a pursuit, wrecked the car, uh, ran into the Walmart parking lot with a weapon, and was trying to carjack another car to get away. And he'd he'd already shot two people in the parking lot when the gun-toting pastor comes up and pops him. Well, there you go. God bless America. It, it reminds me of like one of those Denny Crane episodes, you know, where Denny's always pulling a pulling a firearm on a client, on a robber, but uh, and then apparently the pastor um, administered first aid to the guy he just shot and uh, hung with him. Called nine one one. They came, and quite incredibly for this Californian, the guy, the pastor was not arrested and booked on the spot. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the now there is the uh, uh, alliance defending freedom uh, taking up a collection to uh, bail him out and all that, but uh, no, it, well when you have a lot of uh, witnesses around, I guess to testify that it was a righteous shooting. I was talking to an L.A. County Sheriff's Police last week. We had we had some uh, some break in issues and people kind of like doing strange things in church. Um, and he, he told me an incident that he was personally aware of where some guy was attempting to steal a car and the owner of the car was there or the owner of the car caught him in the act, okay? And he grabs the guy and he decks him. He just punches the daylights out of this guy. Um, the police come. The guy is arrested and convicted for assault. Yeah, because he was defending his property. He was defending his property, you know. Unlike yeah, that, 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 that woman, was a woman in Texas? See that mama bear? Somebody tried to carjack her car with her two kids in back, and she wouldn't let go. She wouldn't, like, get out of the car, so she ends up in the passenger seat of the car, her car, goes to the glove compartment, pulls out the, the weapon that she has in there, and blows the guy away. Well, that'll do it. Don't mess with Texas, man. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, there there are two issues. There's the there's I think there's the no brainer of self defense and the defensive neighbor, and I got no I have no problem with any of that stuff. What about pastors packing heat? What do you think? Well, you know, sometimes the shepherd has to def defend the sheep. 
I learned that from uh, the movie The Patriot, Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's a good source right there. This article is written from the point of view that the the idea of the preacher with a Bible in one hand and 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 a weapon in the other hand is kind of almost like an American archetype. You know, that somehow we we, we just kind of we, we sort of resonate with that contrast, you know, of mercy and life and on the one hand and and death <laughs> Death and mayhem, on the other hand. And well, this we kind of like goes that. back to uh, the Revolutionary War with uh, Muhlenberg, one of the Muhlenberg boys. You know that story, right? Yep, just kind of uh, preached took, a took off, sermon. About took off those... his vestments, had uh, had army uniform underneath, and marched out to war. Yeah, recruited. All, I guess almost all, or not all the. I don't know all the men in the church. He recruited them on the spot and. Uh, yeah, good Lutheran pastor there. Now, yeah, that's more in the realm of Swingley, though. You know, Swingley was the one right. who died in the battlefield. You know why? You know why Swingley was pissed? Why the the Pope was stealing all the young uh, the young Swiss soldiers because they liked Swiss soldiers. Swiss soldiers were like the Egyptian horses of the day. Ah, well, and they, they still to guard this, the, yeah the, the Swiss Pope. guard that yeah. yeah, but that really ticked Swingley off. So that's why he went to war against the Pope. Died in the battlefield. Right. Um, Chaplain with a sword, gun-toting pastor. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm strangely fine with this. I, I'm, I, you know, and you know why? Luke twenty-two. I think it's Luke twenty-two, where Jesus in kind of his final commissioning. Yeah, yeah. I told you before, don't pack a sword. Pack a sword. Peter says, "Here's two. Jesus says, "That's enough. <laughs> not, not starting a revolution here, okay? <laughs> it's a good start. No, not a good sense enough. <laughs> but I, I do think there's there's a reality, and and if especially in service of neighbor, I mean, who can fault a mother protecting her children? Right. Uh, who can fault a citizen protecting his fellow citizens? Right. In a Walmart parking lot." Yeah, I, I guess uh, from what I had heard, that guy was running amok, shooting everyone and everything, and just uh, I, I think he had killed a couple of people, if I'm not What, the guy mistaken. in the Walmart parking lot? Yeah. I, injured, injured. The, okay. they, and I, I think ultimately they both survived. But you don't know this up front. You just see some guy yeah. with a gun shooting people. And, I mean, how many times has that scenario been replayed? So what I love is the people who've never handled a gun in their life, and they say, well, why didn't you just shoot him in the shoulder or in the leg or something like that? You have no idea what it is to handle a gun. <laughs> That's my response. You're an idiot. Are, are, uh, there's that great Denny Crane episode where he's like, he's being held up by by this this guy. You he shoots know? the guy in the foot. No, well, yeah, so he, he all he wants is watch and wallet. So he, so he reaches and he goes, watch. Wallet, and then he reaches in his pocket. Gun, left knee, right knee, left foot, right. Knee, shoots, like, and the guy's writhing in pain, and 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 then he looks at the the guy he's with, and he says, he says, uh, that's why God gave us guns. <laughs> now, to his credit, he was at a range of about four feet, oh, yeah. but uh, you know, the the cops are trained to shoot center of mass so that they stop people, and anyone who is trained. You, you shoot for the chest because you want to stop the person from doing whatever evil they are doing. If you're trying to shoot them in the arm, you're going to miss. You'll miss. No, you're shooting off at the perimeter. The I other love, thing is even a shot to the arm videos, or the I'm leg sorry. could be fatal. Oh, yeah. You hit an artery. They're yeah. gone. But one of my favorite videos was a bunch of cops gathered around this house. And uh, they had floodlights on in the house, pointing out at the cops as a standoff. 
and all these cops were trying to shoot out the floodlight and and they probably blew 150 rounds of ammunition trying to shoot the floodlight finally this one cop sneaks up there and just unscrews it <laughs> but i mean you assume that all of our cops are insane marksmen because you've watched too many movies definitely and it, it's just not the case. I, I think the, the, the twin image of gun and Bible is really a, an image of two kingdoms. It, it, it really is, you know, the, the kingdom of power, the kingdom of grace. And these are not necessarily, they're paradoxical, but they're not incompatible. You know, we, we confess that God's reign is also the kingdom of power. He represses evil by use of, of government, of force, coercive force. And, and this is really an extension of that. I, I don't see, for example, gun, legal, lawful gun ownership is not uh, taking the law into your own hands. No. It's an extension of the law. It's like citizen's arrest. The yes. police can't be everywhere. I remember when I first moved to the where I live now, and I remember Ernie, God rest his soul, Ernie the Godfather down the street. Ernie was a he was an awesome guy. But at the time, I didn't know what to make of this guy. Uh, he was like retired. He was in his 80s, really fit, super fit. And one of his big things was he'd go out every day looking for graffiti and paint it over. Because he, huh. he said graffiti's the start of the problem. He says, you allow graffiti to take over in a neighborhood, the whole neighborhood will go downhill. But he was our welcome wagon. He came, knocked on the door when we moved into our rental and welcomed us to the neighborhood. And then he's given us the lay of the land. He goes, he says, this is unincorporated L.A. County here. He says, if you run into a problem, you probably have to take care of it yourself, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> he well, was a good-hearted the, guy, great guy. But going with that in all reality, the the fact is the response time to your home or to the Walmart parking lot or whatever, you're lucky if the cops will get there in 10 minutes. Oh no, no, they'll, they'll just be they'll be able to pack in a body bag. That's really about it. Yeah. Um and and how long does it take for someone to shoot or stab you this has even um, been upheld in court this has been tested in court is that the police departments are not liable for individual safety yeah they are there to preserve the overall peace and enforce the law overall but an individual that there's no contract that says when i call you got to be here in 10 seconds it, in the state of california in the 1990s in the state of california the the Supreme Court of the state declared that the police are not legally bound to respond to your 9-11 call. Right. How horrifying is that? So they, <laughs> so they don't even have to show up. They, they oh, well, you know, we were having a donut and uh, I didn't feel like going. So oh, in, in the words... There's one other thing. In the words of my neighbor, talking, Ernie, sometimes you just got to take care of matters yourself. <laughs> now... This is something disturbing that I've seen on Facebook is uh, <laughs> just one thing. <laughs> well, this is a thing that I've seen. But there are clergy types who are who who show on Facebook their pistol grips on their guns with a VDMA etched into it. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's a confusion of kingdoms. 
It, well, that's putting it Swingley would have approved, I think. But that's that, <laughs> that, that, that's that's how that goes. Now keep keep your uh, kingdom of power and kingdom of grace separate, and uh, and and uh, they are both gifts of God. One in the first article, one in the third. I I think we'll we'll manage just fine. This is my pistol law and my shotgun gospel. <laughs> Scary, scary. No, yeah, no yeah. children's sermons on that, please. We don't need. We don't. We don't need a problem. Okay, that's all I can say. Hey, you can subscribe to us on Facebook. Uh, no, actually, you can't. You can follow us on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play and all those other podcast feeds. You can email us with your. God questions at godwhispers at gmail.com and you can listen to the entire 336 episode archive anytime you wish at godwhispers.org uh, thank you for listening Craig keep it real I'm gonna lift the uh, the ban feel free to binge all you want it's not on us it's on you see ya about the pain that my mama said if I should choose to make a part of me, would surely strike me dead. And now I'm one toke over the line, sweet Jesus, one toke over the line. Sitting downtown in a railway station, one toke over the line. Waiting for the train that goes home, sweet Mary, hoping that the train is on time.